You ready to jump in the Word? Come on, we're ready to get busy in the Word. I'm excited about what we're getting ready to talk about. You know, uh, you online, come on, I need you to be chatty in the chat room today. Somebody needs to help, help a preacher. So uh, we're in a series right now entitled, No Matter What. Last week, uh, we talked about our marching orders that God has given celebration. I believe a lot of things are going to take place this year. I believe it's a year of restoration. I believe it's a year of new things. I believe it's a year of incredible favor for the people of God. But the marching order specifically for the family of celebration is this, joy no matter what. We're going to keep talking about that, and we're going to make up our minds regardless what's, what is going on in our world. We're going to choose joy no matter what. This week, I want to talk about prayer no matter what. I couldn't be more excited about talking about this subject matter. In fact, it's one of my favorite subject matters to talk about, uh, probably because this is the subject matter that has changed my life the most. It is the invitation that God gives every single believer a invitation to pray. I would not be standing before you right now doing what I do, have the life that I have, have the marriage I have, have the children and the, and the blessings of God if it wasn't for the subject matter we're getting ready to talk about. Prayer no matter what. In Luke chapter 18 verse 1, we're going to start there. Jesus says this. It says, one day Jesus taught the apostles, hear it, to keep praying and never stop or lose hope. Jesus taught the apostles. Jesus taught the disciples. Hey, keep praying. Jesus says, whatever you do, just don't stop praying. If things are good or bad, keep praying. Listen, if you're on the mountaintop <laughs> or you're in the valley, keep praying praying. If you think it's working or you think it's not, hear me, Jesus says, keep praying. If you're in the struggle, keep praying. If you're in the pain, keep praying. Come on. If you're full of confusion, what do you need to do? Keep praying. In the pandemic, oh, what a, what a thought, huh? In the pandemic, let's, let's, let's not choose fear. Let's, let's choose prayer. Keep praying praying in, 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 in the social unrest of our world. Crazy, crazy stuff going on. What are we going to do? We're going to post another conspiracy theory? No. We're going to keep, come on church, we're going to keep praying. When everybody around you is acting crazy, crazy, we're going to do what? We're going to keep praying. Jesus said, hear it again, whatever you do, just don't stop praying. Pray no matter what. I'm here to tell you today that more happens, listen, in prayer than what you think or what you realize. It is the believer's greatest advantage to having a victorious life. I'm here to tell you what we're going to talk about today is a life-changing message. I want to start today by just reading some Bible. <laughs> Would that be okay? I mean, we are a church, right? Can we just leave? You don't need to hear a cute story, right? You need to hear the Bible. Let me give you perspective from the Word of God concerning 
prayer. God says in Jeremiah 33.3, talking to Jeremiah about the subject of prayer, he says to Jeremiah, call on me in prayer and I'll answer you and I will show you, well, watch this, great and mysterious or mighty things that you still do not know about. How many of you know there's just things we just don't know, but God knows, and God, listen, is giving an invitation for us to pray so that he can respond, responding by great and mighty things. Does anybody need anything that's great and mighty in their life? Let me read this out in another translation, the N-I-R-V. Bible says, call to me, and I'll answer you. I'll tell you great things you do not know, and unless I do, catch this, God is saying, unless I do this, you wouldn't be able to find out about them. Listen, there's just some things you cannot access by your hustle alone. You've got to pray if you're going to know things that God knows. Listen, can I help you? Can we just start on this foundation today? Listen, here, here, here's, 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 here's truth 101 when it comes to the Word of God. God is smarter than you. Think about that. God is smarter than me. Let me read this out of the message translation. It says, call to me and I'll answer you and I'll tell you marvelous wonders, marvelous uh, wonders, wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. I think we're spending our life trying to figure out when it's all available and we access it by prayer. In these verses, in these translations, you can see that prayer is basically two components. Number one, it is a conversation with God. We call out and then God responds. It's spending time with God just talking, but not talking, 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 talking. It's talking and then listening. Wouldn't it be crazy if I was to call you and, and, and for five minutes just talk, 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 and never give you an opportunity to respond, and at the end of the five minutes say, just hang up on you? you? You would think I'm crazy. I think we do that with God. We just say, God, I need this, and I need that, and I need you to do this, and I need you to do that, and then we just hang up on God, and I think God thinks we're all crazy. That's not prayer. Prayer is calling out to God and allowing God to respond. It's a conversation with God. The second thing that this, these verses show us is, is that it's what gives access and makes available God's kingdom. It makes available his ability. It makes available his agenda. It makes available his plans and his ways, his mighty things. Prayer is God's invitation, hear it, for our earth to be invaded by heaven's agenda. That's the reason why Jesus himself said, you should pray. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. In Jeremiah chapter 29, God again talks to Jeremiah about prayer. In verse 11, he says, I alone know the plans. God's speaking to Jeremiah and, and speaking to you. God's word is speaking. Is God speaking to you? I alone know the plans I have for you, plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster, plans to bring about the future you hope for. God is making an incredible promise here. He says, I know how to prosper you. I know how to bless you. I know how to give you a good life. I know how to keep you from disaster. And you know what we do? We all have that verse memorized. We have it on our refrigerators. We know that verse. But 
do you know the next verse? Because the next verse is how you access the promises of God. Notice what God says next if you want that God kind of life that he wants to provide for you. Verse 12, he says, when you call on me. So in other words, God is saying, hey, I've got this great life for you, but you're going to have to pray. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, God says, hey, I'll listen. And then if you don't hang up on me, he says, I will answer you. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, God says, God says, I'll make sure, verse 14 is a powerful point, powerful verse, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree, hear it, I'll turn things around for you. Does anybody need God to turn anything around for them? God says, if you'll pray, I'll turn it around. Listen, there is no problem too big. That God cannot solve. There is no pain, listen, too great that God cannot heal. There's no past too bad that God cannot change. Hear me, there's no person too lost that God cannot save. God makes a promise. He says, listen, he says, you want a great life? You want me to turn things around in your life? Then what I need you to do is go buy another lotto ticket. Go get another job. Get another relationship. He said, no. He says, if you want what I have for you, I need you to spend some time in prayer. Some 3,000 years ago, God told this to Solomon. Solomon, when things are not working in your life, this is what I need you to do. Most of us know this verse, but we don't know the context in which it is written. And God says to Solomon, he says, listen, if the heavens are shut up and you don't sense any of God's help, here's what you need to do, Solomon. If your marriage is, is messed up, if your family is messed up, if your, if your finances are messed up, if your life is messed up, here's what you need to do, Solomon. Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, that's you, that's me, God's people who are called by my name will humble themselves and what? Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God says, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive your sin, their sin. And notice what God promises. I will heal their land. These are actions of prayer all through here. He says, you need to humble yourself. That's an action of prayer. He says, you need to turn from your wicked ways. That's an action of prayer. To humble yourself means, means that you just come to the conclusion, like we said earlier, that I don't know what I need to know, and God is smarter in me. That's the reason why I need to pray. God, I need your help to turn from your wicked ways. You're simply saying it in prayer. God, I'm done running. God, would you help me? Now notice, God says, if you will pray, God says, I will respond. If you will pray, I will hear you, and I will heal your land. I'll heal your life. Oh, how we need, how we need healing, right? Would anybody agree? Come on, does anybody, is anybody online here on the other side of this camera? I don't know what you're situated, but, but do you need God to heal. Oh, our nation needs healing. Our culture needs healing. Our government needs healing. Our economy needs healing. Businesses need healing. Come on, our schools. 
Come on, our schools need healing. Our hospitals, has anybody been to the hospital lately? Our hospitals need healing. Our cities, our communities, our relationships, our families. Come on, our marriages. Come on, does anybody, anybody's marriage needs healing? Our hearts need healing. For many of us, it's our minds, and many of us, it's our physical bodies. We need healing everywhere, and God says, I can give it to you. I just need you to have a conversation with me. I need to download something from heaven in your life that will cause my ability to change your life. Now, so many, I want you to hear this because I believe this is the, the disconnect, and this is my passion and my desire to get you so fired up about prayer that you never have a prayerless day ever again in your life. Many, so many church going Christians have the lack have a lack of passion and desire for prayer but the truth is you're not alone did you know Jesus's own disciples struggled in the area of a passion for prayer I mean if you was to ask most people they, they would just say, you know, I just, I'm just not passionate about prayer because we've seen prayer as some religious activity. They've never seen the power of prayer. And we say, well, you know, I just don't really know if that matters. And so, so we just don't have the passion for prayer. But what I'm trying to communicate to you today is Jesus' own disciples didn't have the passion for prayer like Jesus did. Remember, there's times in scriptures that Jesus was praying and the disciples we're out buying, I mean, sleeping. They, 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 were, they were sleeping. They were sleeping. In fact, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, we see one of those situations where Jesus is praying, but the disciples are watching. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples, so, so apparently this disciple is close by because he's watching Jesus. He knows Jesus has finished praying. One of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us, not not." Teach me. So apparently all the disciples were there. So here's one of the disciples asking on behalf of all the disciples, Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I want you to think about this for just a moment. For three and a half years, these disciples have had the privilege of watching Jesus do what he did. For three and a half years, Jesus' disciples, they have studied his life. They have examined, they have watched the very life of Jesus upon this earth. The disciples, if you'll remember, they watched him as he fed the 5,000 with just a few fish, a few loaves of bread. They, they were there when Jesus spoke to the, the storm and he calmed the waters. He was, they were there when he, he walked on the water. They were scared. They said, that's, that's Jesus walking on the water. They were there when he turned that water into wine, his very first miracle recorded in scriptures. They were there when he healed the sick. They were there when he cast out devils. They were there when he caused the blind to see and the lame to walk. They were there when he raised the dead back to life. Now, this is what is really amazing to me. We have no record throughout scripture and throughout the gospels where any disciple ever asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, it'd really be cool. Can you teach me that water walking thing? No, they didn't ask him that. They, they didn't ask him, hey, Jesus, can, can you help me with that, that, that feeding 5,000? Can, can, you, can you show me how you, how you take a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish and, and feed 5,000? They, they didn't ask him that. 
Now, this would have been a cool one, they, but, but they didn't ask him. They, they didn't say, hey, Jesus, can you teach me that, that, that water into wine thing? That would really come in really handy. Huh? They didn't ask him that. They didn't say, oh, Lord, can, can you teach us how to open blind eyes? Can, can you teach us how to raise the dead? They ne it's never recorded in scriptures, but this is what we do have a record of in the Bible. They asked him, Jesus, teach us to pray. Now, don't miss that. Don't, 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 don't miss what I'm saying there. They, they did not say, Jesus, teach us how to pray, because that's a whole other thing. They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus, teach us, teach us why prayer, here's what they're asking. Jesus, teach us why prayer is so important to you. Je Jesus, teach us why you have such a, a passion for prayer Jesus, Jesus, teach us what drives you to the place of prayer on a regular basis. That's what they're asking. They say, Lord, we, we don't have that passion. We don't have that want to. We don't have that desire. Can you help us get it? You see, Jesus, we're struggling, just like many of us are struggling, believing that prayer even matters. And here you are praying, Jesus, no matter no matter what. Jesus teaches us why it matters so much to him. An interesting study, and I've done so much of this throughout my ministry and my life, is I've studied the prayer life of Jesus. It's just an absolute amazing study when you look at all the, the Gospels and you study the prayer life of Jesus. There's no greater characteristic that the Gospels talk about other than the characteristic of Jesus's prayer life. It's at the it's at, the, it's at the top of everything else. The Gospels have so much to say in describing Jesus' prayer life more than anything else, any other characteristic about Jesus' life. So it really must matter. Let me just give you a few of those throughout the gospel. We know that Jesus uh, had a routine every morning. He would pray. We know that Jesus at night, he would pray often too. We know that sometimes the Bible records that even Jesus prayed all night long. So Jesus had a, had a, had a lifestyle that he prayed. He always started his morning off with prayer. And then, and then we, we find that he prayed sometimes at night. Not all the time, but sometimes at night. And then sometimes he would just pray all night long. The Gospels tell us these, these characteristics about Jesus' prayer life, that he prayed throughout the day. He didn't just pray morning and, and, and night and sometimes, but, but he, was, he, he just had it as a lifestyle. He prayed throughout the day for all kinds of situations. The Gospel tells us that he prayed before his baptism. He prayed before launching his public ministry. He prayed before traveling and ministering to others. He, he prayed, hear this, he prayed before he chose his 12 friends, his 12 disciples. That's a word for somebody today. You got to be careful who you're shacking up with. Come on, we, we, got, we need to pray before we get those connections. Jesus prayed before important events in his life. Jesus prayed before great achievements in his life. Jesus prayed before great temptations. Listen, this is another powerful one. If the church could just get this one. Jesus even prayed before he ate. You think the virus is killing you? Listen, some of you, what you're eating. We need to pray. We need to bless it. We need to do what the Word of God says, that God was separate and sanctified and bring wholeness and healing. Jesus prayed in the midst of crisis and persecution. 
Jesus prayed when he got tired and weary. That's the last thing we think about, right? I need a vacation. I need a nap. No, maybe what you need is some conversation with God. Jesus prayed when life would get unusually busy for him. Jesus prayed in the last moments of his life. And this might be a shock to some of you today. Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says that he's praying. And you know who he's praying for? He's praying not for himself. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. Jesus prayed by himself. Jesus prayed with just a few people. Jesus prayed with great multitudes of people. Jesus would pray for himself, and Jesus would pray for others. Jesus, Jesus would even listen. This is, this is, this, this is, uh, we need to, Jesus prayed for his enemies. Catch it. Jesus didn't write them off, and Jesus didn't go hate on them. Jesus would pray for his enemies. Come on, that's a word. I, I got stuck right there. I almost got stuck in my message because some of you need to hear that today. Some of you need to start praying and blessing and not cursing your enemies. Jesus prayed on his knees. Jesus prayed stretched out on the ground. Jesus prayed with his face before God. Jesus prayed while walking. Jesus prayed with his eyes closed. Jesus prayed with his eyes open. I'm just trying to give you the characteristics that the Bible talks about Jesus. Why would the Bible say so much about Jesus' prayer life? Jesus prayed earnestly. Jesus prayed persistently. Jesus prayed with tears. And Jesus prayed with loud cries. And Jesus prayed with a whisper. And Jesus prayed short prayers. And Jesus would pray long prayers. Here's the point. Jesus had a passion, a desire for prayer. And, and the desires, they can't figure that out. It's like, Lord, how, help us. We don't have that passion. So the disciples didn't ask him, Jesus, how do you do those miracles? They asked him about prayer. Why? Because the disciples, hear this. Because the disciples understood that what he was doing is not what needs to be taught. He, he don't need to teach how to do the water walking. He doesn't need to teach how to open blind eyes. Listen, they knew that what he was doing was a result, listen, a result of his passion and his desire for prayer. So if they could get the desire for prayer and they could get the passion for prayer and they could get the place of prayer in their life, then automatically they would begin to see the mighty miracles that God had promised his people. Now, here's the question. Why, why would Jesus be so passionate about prayer? Why, why was why was Jesus? Because if we can figure that out, then maybe we can become passionate in our place of prayer. There, there's a story in the Bible that I really believe helps us with this truth. It's found in John's gospel, familiar story in John chapter 5. It's, it's where Jesus shows up to a pool of Bethesda, and, and there's sick people all around, and there's a man who had been there 38 years paralyzed and Jesus comes there, and Jesus heals him. And for 38 years, a man who couldn't walk picks up his mat, and he, he begins to leap and jump. And he who couldn't walk begin to walk. And what's amazing about this story is the religious leaders of Jesus' day, the church-going people of Jesus' day, they didn't rejoice with this man. No, they just got mad at Jesus for healing him. Why? Because because 
He, because when Jesus healed him, it was on the Sabbath day. And they thought Jesus was breaking their religious rules. We pick up the story in verse 15 of John chapter 5. After this man has been healed, and after these religious people are really mad at Jesus, and they say, verse 15 says, The man left and told the leaders that Jesus was, that Jesus was one who had healed him. So these Jews, hear this, begin trying to make him, Jesus, stop. So, so the healed man tells the religious people, hey, it's Jesus that did this. Now the religious church-going people, they, 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 they find Jesus and they tell Jesus, you've got to stop doing what you're doing. And verse 17 says, but Jesus said, my father has never stopped working and that is why I keep on working. Hmm? <laughs> say, say that again. I mean, here they are mad at Jesus for breaking their rules, so Jesus responds to these religious leaders by just explaining, hear it, how and why he healed this man. Jesus tells them, hey guys, here, here, here's how this happened. My father has never stopped working, and because he's working, I just keep on working. And we all hear that, and we're just like the religious leaders of the day. It's like, wow. Jesus, you've been, you've been smoking something? It's like, that doesn't even make sense. Jesus is saying, I, I went to work because my father is at work. That, that's his response. That's how this whole miracle took place. What? It's like, it's like, it's like Jesus, are you feeling okay? And Jesus is saying, I, I showed up here. And when I seen this man who'd been sick for 38 years, paralyzed 38 years, that needed a healing. What I did, I'm telling you guys, this is how I did it. It's why I did it. I, I just simply went to work. Now, they, they didn't like this answer. Just like some of you, you don't like this answer because it just absolutely doesn't make sense to most. So Jesus, once again, tries to explain himself, to tell them why and how this happened. In verse 19, Jesus says this, Jesus told the people, I tell you for certain that the son cannot do anything on his own. Catch that. See, see, Jesus didn't do what he did as God. Jesus did what he did as a man anointed by God. The same way you do what you do. You're a man, you're a woman, but you do what you do <laughs> by the anointing of God. Jesus was our example to lead the way, to show us the kind of life we could have and live and demonstrate. And so Jesus says, I, I can't do anything on my own. I took on human flesh. I'm operating as a man anointed by God. And Jesus says this, he says, he says I can do only what I see the Father doing. And he does, or I do, exactly what I see the Father doing do. Jesus said, hear, hear it, Jesus said, this, this is how and this is why this all took place. It's because, it's because I can only do this kind of a miracle because I hear God do it or I see God do it. I, I can't do anything on my own. I, I only do what I see my father doing and I only, I only operate with what my father has, has already done. So, so don't miss this. This is the big point of the message. You got your ears on, right? Come on, you're, you're chatty in the chat room, right? You're helping me preach. Don't miss this. This is a big point. Jesus tells them what you have seen today. 
The reason why I did what I did was a result of what I seen my daddy, my father doing. Wow. I hope you got that. Jesus said the reason why this man is healed today is because the, the, the reason why I did this is because I seen my father doing it. I heard my father doing it. Here's, here's the big question. When did Jesus see his father do this? It's obvious. It's obvious. And that's what I've come to preach today. It was in his time of prayer. It was in his conversation. It was in that place where he, he talked to his father. He talked to God and God talked back to him and God downloaded heaven's agenda into his heart so he could go and walk that out by the help of the Holy Spirit throughout his day. I hope you're getting this because this is what we've got to really understand. You see, Jesus understood something that we must understand. This is a powerful truth. You need to hear this. Everybody just kind of slow down. Don't, don't miss this. The enemy of your life would, 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 would love for you to be at the refrigerator right now or in the, in, in the cookie drawer to miss this truth. Jesus knew that everything in heaven is already finished before a day on earth begins. Do, do you know that? The Bible teaches that, that, that everything in heaven is all ready, finished, before a day on earth begins. This is Sunday. Did you know in heaven this day has already been finished? God has already established what this day was supposed to be. Let, 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 me, let, let me help you here. Because it is obvious to Jesus the importance of incorporating prayer within his day to find out what the Father was saying what the father was doing. That's why he prayed. So he'd find out what the father had been doing, what the father had been working on, so that he could go in his life and accomplish what his father had already done and worked on. See, see in Psalms 139, here's this truth that's established here in verse 13. The psalmist said this concerning God creating you and me. He said, you made my whole being. You formed me in my mother's body. I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. What you have done is wonderful. I know this very well. You saw my bones being formed as I, as, as I took shape in my mother's body when I was put together there. The psalmist is talking about God creating humanity. He was talking about how he created you. But verse 16, I need you to see it. You saw my body as it was formed. All the days planned for me were written in your book before I was one day old. Your life was already finished before you ever lived one day. Let, let me read that out of the message translation. It says, all the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I even lived one day. All your days prepared. New Living Translation says it this way. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Do you know what Jesus knew? He knew that everything in heaven is already finished before a day on earth begins. 
According to the Bible, all your days have already been planned by God. That means that they were all created before any of them. Not one of them came to be. That means your day has already been ordered. Your day has already been outlined. Your day has already been put together by God. And he did it when he was forming you in the womb before you even ever lived one day. The assignment, the favor, the met needs that you need, the divine connections and relationships, according to God, they've already been scheduled by God Almighty. The, 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 the God plan, the God, hear it today, the God plan is just waiting on you. I wish I could get somebody to put that in the chat room. The God plan is just waiting on you. Now, don't get me wrong. It'd be a horrible time to turn me off now because you would have messed up theology. Because the truth of the matter is, for that plan to work in your life, you have to cooperate with it. You see, you see, that doesn't mean what God has prepared for you happens automatically. It's obvious. I mean, come on, look at our lives. That plan doesn't happen automatically. Why? Because you have a free will and you have a choice and God will protect your free will and God will protect your choice where you can live whatever kind of life you want to live. You can live it without God or you can live it cooperating with God. But if you'll cooperate with God, God's already got Monday planned for you and he's already got Tuesday planned for you. He's already got Wednesday. He's got next year planned. He's got them all planned for you. The trouble is, the Bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man. And God will protect your free will to live that way. But the Bible says that kind of life ends in disaster. God's planned your life. God has scheduled the events of your life. God has purposed your life for great things, for mighty things, for successful things. Here today... This is my message, about ready to close this thing, but here it is. All your days have been prepared and planned. And if all your days have been prepared and planned, then celebration, those watching me on the other side of this camera, those in this room today, would it not make sense to go to the one that has already made that who has planned that and get his agenda for each and every day of my life. Would that not make sense? So that the work that the Father has already worked on, come on, the work that has already been done, I could just show up and I could just finish what God had already established when he was forming me in his mother's, in my mother's womb. That's why Jesus could just show up he said, I had been in a place of prayer, and I didn't know all the details of this, but in that place of prayer, I was downloaded the healing for this man, and I just knew this was a familiar situation. I didn't know all the details, but, but I just knew in that moment that, that God had determined for this man who had been paralyzed for 38 years. I, I knew it because the Spirit of God had caught the download when I was praying and seeking Him, and, and all I said, all I did is I just said, be healed. <laughs> And I did it because I seen the Father do it. I said it because I heard the Father 
saying it. You see, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Prayer is going to God that has made your day to get your itinerary, to get the download so that your earth can start looking like heaven. So that your family can start looking like heaven. So your world can start looking like heaven. So your health can start looking like heaven. So your finances can start looking like heaven. That's why I'm passionate about prayer. Because I'm just not that smart. I'm not that talented. I need God's help. I need God's involvement. And even if I think I'm sharp and talented and smart and good-looking like I, I, I guess I am, that's still not enough to get me past the finish line. It doesn't move me into the mighty works of God. No. Listen, if what I'm saying is true, and I've given you enough Bible to back this up, then I guess this would be a great question for us today. What have we missed out on? Hmm? Well, what blessings have we missed out on because we just didn't think prayer was really that important? Because we didn't have a passion. We just kind of dismissed it as a religious activity. What, what, what divine appointments and divine connections have we missed out on? What miracles have we missed out on because we just didn't see the value of prayer? You know, this message has huge implications for our life. It now really makes us all look like idiots. If the day has already been planned out and we won't even go to the one that made the day, that prepared the plans because we're just too busy. We're too busy doing our own thing. Celebration, as we start this new year, I have just come to tell somebody today, hear me, no matter what, don't you ever stop praying. Pray no matter what. Come on, would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we close this service today? Man, I hope, I hope this is doing for you what it's done for me even as I have gone back into this subject matter, I can't wait to talk to my father to find out what's going on. I pray for you today that our passions would be stirred. Father, I reach out to those in this room, those on the other side of this camera. You know every situation. You know every circumstance. God, I pray that this word would take would take root, the seed of this word, the truth of this word, would take root into every person's heart that is listening to my voice today. God, I come against every satanic attack that would want to steal this help. And God, we make up our minds today as a family, as a church, that there's just nothing as important as prayer. God, let that passion burn again. Let that desire burn again. Let that want to burn again. God, may we be a church that's known as a praying church. But that's what you wanted. You, you didn't want your church, your house to be a house of singing and a house of programs. You said, my house should be called the house of 
prayer. God, I pray today we make the adjustments. We make the adjustments. Come on, right where you're at, wherever you're at, in that home, in that car, that hospital room, in this building, would you just open your mouth, making the adjustments, saying, God, I, I'm sorry. I've gotten so busy. I've gotten so complacent. I've, I believe lies, and I just didn't really see that prayer mattered. But today, today I make, and today we make the adjustment. God, I pray that we'd burn with passion whoo, to pray until our families are healed, until our relationships are healed, until our finances are healed, until our community is healed, until our nation is healed, until our culture is healed. God, till revival comes on this world. Let us burn with prayer, passion with prayer. If you're there today, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never surrendered your life to him. I want to I pray with you just before we close this service out. You might be saying, you know what? I used to serve God, but man, I've drifted and I'm doing my own thing, but Man, my heart compels me to get right with God today. Maybe that's you, or maybe you've never done that, and you just realize, man, man, I'm living my own life. I need to surrender to the one that has created my life. That's you. I want you to pray this prayer, not to repeat a prayer, but to release your faith, your desire in this prayer. The Bible says it's very simple, not a bunch of rules. The Bible says all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If that's you, would you pray? Say, Father God, today I surrender my life to you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for me, took my sin, and today offers the free gift of salvation. I receive that free gift. I receive Jesus as my Savior, and I receive Jesus as my Lord. Father God, today, with your help, I'm going to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you receive that today? I believe many of you on the other side of this camera has made that commitment, those in this room. I hope you got this today. I think I'm all done. I don't know. I don't know. Do you have anything? Did you want to sing anything? Well, will you just go ahead, just get right up to the mic and just come on up here, and, and we're just going to go ahead and go out. We'll just let them start, and then we're going to cut the feed. And guess what? It'd be a good time. It'd be a good time to pray. We love you. God bless you. Celebration. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.